about this one yes. we are very excited about this podcast yes. my name is leah this is between the sheets with leah i am your host with the most i am a god-fearing money-making action taken manifesting queen that's right and this is my co-host hi guys w-h-i-t-n-e-y period poos it's nice to see you back yes and we have a special yes, guest we do. today yes. And go ahead and introduce yourself. Yes. Hi, I am Dr. Erica Cartman. Doctor. I'm a, Doctor. Yes. 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 I'm a sex therapist and a sex educator. So I have my PhD and my master's of education in human sexuality, and I'm also a licensed clinical social worker. Wow. I love that. Yes. This is dope, busy guys. lady. Yes. Holy cow. <laughs> Super dope. We have been wanting for some time now. I, I told her when I first met her that I probably manifested her because we've yep. been wanting for some time now to get some specialists on the show so that we're not just providing our right. opinion of things, but we're actually getting some facts. We're getting some, you know... Uh, information, education based off of people that are in the field of a specific topic. And yes. so we love that you're here. Thank you for coming. Thank and you. Thank, thank you for being you. so open to you coming. You are the manifest queen. So yes. here I am. <laughs> yes. That's right. That's right. So we're going to dive right in. Um, and I guess I, I kind of, and sorry about these flies. Um, we are going to dive right in. And I, I, I want to first just ask you about what got you into this? Yeah. Like, what was it that you were like, hey, I'm going to be a sex therapist? Like, what was it? I honestly, in high school, I just loved talking about sexuality, sex stuff. Right. I was the one that my friends went to to ask about sex questions. Right. I was researching it. I found it so fascinating. And I remember sitting in sex education classes and being like, ah, this could be a Try. lot better. Yes. This is missing so much. Right. And even back then, I was like, there is a lot that's missing, and yeah. I want this to be better. And so here I am many years later, and I realized that sex therapy and sex education is a real career. Yeah. You actually can, <laughs> you can go to school right? for it. You can get paid for it. <laughs> yeah. And so here I am, and I absolutely love it. And I think that everyone should know themselves sexually and right. should be able to um, understand themselves in that in a yeah. sexual manner and I want to help people so not only do you work with individuals you work with couples so you, it's both correct yep. yep and so when people have questions either about like um their maybe it's their marriage or boyfriend or girlfriend you can see them or you can see just an individual who may be experiencing um whatever Absolutely. I mean there's this is going right. to be a pretty wide range of topics I guess because I was telling Whitney and and just kind of on the live sex is um not you know you would think with today's day and age all the shows and I'm talking about sex education shows I'm just talking about that sex is out there that we don't talk about it like we have this like a taboo yes it's a really weird taboo around the idea of talking sex I remember talking with my husband to my oldest at one point when we said, okay, we really need to sit down and have the birds and the bees talk. And that was never done with me. I never had that as a child. And so I wanted to make sure that when I sat down and talked with my son about it, that we gave him above and beyond information because I wanted him to know like, look, if you have questions, uh, we want you to know that you, it's, first of all, it's a, it's a safe place. We want you to come to us, not feel ashamed, not feel embarrassed. Right. And yet he was still very embarrassed. Which is so important to just say that in essence, because it is, Absolutely. it's embarrassing. Yeah. And we said, and then 
on top of that, when your friends are talking all of this mess mm-hmm. about what they think they know, you're really mm-hmm. going to know. Yep. Mm-hmm. And if you have any questions, you can ask us and we're going to give you the truth. You know, Absolutely. so that was kind of, and, and, and I remember my husband was so scared to say the word penis. <laughs> like it was just, we were sitting down and he was just like, I was like, he was like, you're bird. And I was like, it's a penis, Nando, say penis. Well, we need to label it correctly. Yes. Your bird is yeah. all about giving it names, coin purse, yeah. change purse. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Do yeah, you, but I really, I appreciate that you called him out on that because we do really need to give the anatomical name to yes. our body parts. Yeah. We need to know what they actually are. And there's... Um, stories of people not labeling their genitalia correctly and you know sexual abuse goes under the radar because they're not using the correct name of their body part to tell adults what's happening to them this is how they're yes yes 100 percent yeah so that's amazing that you did that we should all be able to name our body parts just like our nose our ears our eyes you know, a clitoris mm-hmm. is not a bad word. Right. Vulva is not a bad <laughs> word. Orgasm is not a bad word. It's right. not a bad word. Yeah, uh, exactly. I, I was just thinking as we were making the video, and I'm, I'm like, yeah, you know, so we need to be able to talk about, like, if we can't climax and we can't orgasm. And yes. I'm thinking in my head already, like, how many people are like, oh, my God. Oh, like, I can't believe she's saying that. the word orgasm, you know? And, and yet, again, we need to start getting comfortable with this. Yes. Mm-hmm. So you kind of told me a little bit about your why. And how long have you been in the field? Probably about 10 years now. Um, I started my educational journey in 2013. Okay. Um, And then from there, I've just been doing different um, one-on-one education with adults with intellectual developmental disabilities. Yes. Um, I've also done one-on-one therapy with survivors of sexual trauma. Mm, Right. And now I am branching off and also starting my own private practice. And congratulations, boss lady in the house. Yes. Can I get one of those? I'm scared to do it. There we go. I did it. I did it right. So yeah, applause for that. We have a, a boss woman in the house for sure. So Let's first and foremost just talk about the taboo of, of just talking about sex. Where do you feel like this originated from? Do you feel like it's is do you feel like it's it's a transition from coming out of the traditionalists into the baby boomers into the you know Generation X? Do you feel like there was just this? Where did it start, and why were we not comfortable with it? Yeah, that's a really really great question. Um, and it really looking back in the research and where we put emphasis on the research, and it wasn't until. Kinsey and Virginia Woolf that, you know, I think it was in the 80s or I'm sorry, the 70s that they really started to look at sexual, you know, people being sexual with each other and, you know, the um, orgasm. Oh my God, I can't think of the word. The uh, climax. Yeah, Yeah. well, there's like a whole, you know, the beginning, the middle, the end. Right. Um, And so we just really started to learn more about it. And as research has gone, we've also gotten more information about what is orientation? What is gender? What is the difference? Right. What makes up our attraction? What is incorporated in our attraction? Because there's romantic attraction, there's physical attraction, there's intellectual attraction. Mm. And so there's so many different avenues within sexuality and so there's just so much research to be done and it does feel like we're late to the game yeah um and that you know it wasn't until 1998 that we realized what the full clitoris looked like and we saw the whole (laughs) you know the whole body part in the anatomy and so yeah we are a little bit late but we are catching up and I do think that these younger generations that are becoming more aware and 
becoming more comfortable talking talking about about it it and being aware of who they are and what their identity is, Mm -hmm. it hopefully will create this shift and this, you know, larger conversation around sexual communication and sexual identity. I love that. I want to ask, you know, how, first and foremost, how can a parent be more open with their kids in talking about these things from study that came from um, a baby boomer home latchkey kid and and we just they just it wasn't important to talk about you know because they came from the traditionalist age which again they didn't talk about it so it was just following this generational path of we don't talk about it and so then you have somebody like me who's like no we need to talk about it like we need to be more open it's gonna happen whether or not we want it to you know so let's let's start talking about it how can first and foremost parents become more comfortable talking to their kids and and not allowing just the school right to do Mm -hmm. so absolutely um well, for starters, you have to start talking about it. Yeah. So in your own relationship, uh, having those yeah. conversations, <laughs> talking about yeah. sex, saying the anatomy, the words, vagina, vulva, penis, saying those out loud. And honestly, it starts at a really young age. Mm-hmm. So when they are labeling their body parts, you are also labeling. <laughs> Don't say bird, babe. Right. Yeah, you are also labeling <laughs> where their pee is coming right. out of. Right. You know, we talk about these things. And so really starting at a, a young age, um, because more often than not, parents are talking to their kids yes. after they've already started uh-huh. having sex mm-hmm. and being sexually yep. active. And we really want to get to them before, before. they're doing yes. that yeah. so that they're going into it with the right tools, the right communication, mm-hmm. things to say. And uh, what if the parent's just not comfortable? Because the, that's what we're talking about is people that are uncomfortable having a conversation about sex. How and what can they do to make themselves more comfortable so that they can have this conversation. Yeah. Come see me. Right. <laughs> Go see us. Come see Go me. See Let's talk it, about yeah. it. it could be something as simple as, hey, I'm just not comfortable talking about sex. And you start to explore that with them. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. I could also act as an aide and sit down with yes. them and their child and say, hey, mm-hmm. we're going to talk about these things. Your caregivers, right. your parents are here because it is really important. And I want them to know the information course, as well. Yeah. But let's all sit down and have a conversation. And so I can also act as an aide wow. in that conversation. Well, and I think it's it's not for nothing. It's good to also tell that, you know, wherever children or if children are watching this, if they're not, um, finding somebody to talk to. Um, I wasn't, I didn't have that healthy sexual relationship talk with my mom just because right. of other experiences. But I'll be damned, a teacher at school was the one that kind of, sat me down and talked to me about it, took me to Planned Parenthood. Like, that woman saved my life. Mm, So just being able to have some type of adult, somebody that you feel safe to talk with about it is important. And, I mean, wouldn't you want to be the person that your kid talked to? You know, so I think about that. It's like, you know, would you want your your kid to get information from Susie Q down the street when you can just have that? I mean, it can deepen your relationship, just being open. You know, I feel like with my kids – being as open as I was, it really did open up a door for them to, they don't express nearly as much as I wish they would to me. Um, and maybe they do with their dad. Maybe they don't, maybe they do really feel uncomfortable. And so I, I'm thinking, you know, okay, I have to identify where in our relationship are they, are they feeling that this was not okay to talk about when we were very, very open, Mm -hmm. or maybe they're just embarrassed, you know? Um, but I feel like I wouldn't want, that information to have come from somebody else or a different, you know, I, I wanted to talk to them actually even before they got into the sex ed, you know, class mm-hmm. and, and, and kind of go from there. So kids yeah. is one thing. Um, I want to dive in 
and talk about, you know, individuals. So you, you deal with a lot of sexual trauma. We do as well, believe it or not, just being in the space that we are in uh, photographing women. And a lot of women come to see me because they are trying to empower themselves by getting out of this mindset of guilt and yes. shame mm-hmm. and, and um, really feeling okay with who they are sexually. Feeling sexy to them has been a taboo of, of you know, shame and guilt and you can't do this and you can't do that. Um, and then just the trauma of maybe something that they've been through where women feel like they can't experience the wholeness of sex and, and orgasm because they feel it's dirty yep. um, or they're ashamed of it. So how um, how has that been for you as far as teaching? Because you said that you came a lot from sexual trauma. Like that's a, that was mm-hmm. kind of one of your, your highlights of who you speak to yep. is sexual trauma victims. Yeah, so it's really, again, getting comfortable in your own skin, learning yourself, learning your identity, Um, I really, really um, advocate people practicing saying no. Say no, practice it, practice it, practice it, so that when you hit your hard boundary or you hit your limit, you are comfortable saying no. Right. Um, It's really easy to say yes. We're, you know, a lot of people are people pleasers and we'll jump right into stuff. So practice saying no. Um, Because, yeah, sexual trauma can really impact our ability to be sexual, want to be sexual. Get excited about being sexual, right. um, but there is a way to find yourself again, reclaim your body, and to feel comfortable in that. Um, and I think that there's also this other piece of what our our background is, how we grew up, exactly. what we grew up around, yeah. and you spoke a lot, Leah, about that. And um, you know, again, having that calm, comfortable conversation okay. around sexuality and being comfortable with it, but looking into why do we feel this way about sex? Why are we feeling uncomfortable? Why do we feel shameful? Where did we get those messages and why are they sticking with us? Right. You know, Mm because some of those messages we can get rid of. We need to drop them. They are not good for us. Not at all. And, you know, the empowering ones we need to, you know, add into our repertoire. And, you know, I am sexy. I am powerful. Mm. It is okay to be sexy and powerful. Just no nip slips. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of... <laughs> Unless um, you want that. <laughs> yeah, right. No, and I can relate to it. Um, I'm a, a sexual trauma victim. Um, I was molested for a couple of years when I was younger. So the whole sex talk for me and my family was just completely different. Mm. Um, because of the age that it happened to me, um, I specifically remember being in a room with a therapist and her, you know, showing me dolls and trying to explain what happened. And it was all like extremely stressful. And then from the transition from that, the therapy that I went through was very much like protect your body. Don't show your body. Don't do this. Don't do that. So she jokes with me all the time, but I have this level of like, I'm not going to overstep the boundaries. Like even when I come in a room, I'm like, are you decent? Like I won't overstep. It doesn't bother me per se, but I've just, uh, that, that whole thought process was instilled in me at a very, very young age. So wow. then when I did become sexually active, my mom was pissed. <laughs> and she found out in the worst way. And it was to my high school boyfriend, but it was never anything that it was that I felt comfortable talking to her about at mm. all. Never, mm. never. I still wouldn't have a sex talk with my mom. <laughs> it just, it wasn't there. 
So the fact that you're open with the kids, I mean, that's, that's so important. Yeah. So important. And it instills in you as you get older, like how I behave or dress around certain people or how I allow people to touch me, saying mm-hmm. no, saying yes, mm-hmm. like all of that ties into it. Well, and the, I think that's really powerful that you said, you know, we have to be comfortable with saying no. And that's not just even in the bedroom. That's just with anything in yes. our life. We've got to get, we've got to get comfortable starting to say no when we don't want to do something, yes. you know, when, when a friend calls us up and, and I actually read a book about how difficult it is for women to say no. I don't know about men, you know, so this one was this one was really specific about women, how we will just sign up for something because yep. we feel so bad about saying mm-hmm. no. Why? Yep. Why do we feel bad about saying no? And it tested you in the aspect, which it, it sounds really harsh, but if you say, hey, do you want to, uh, you know, go have some drinks? No. And it said, don't give any explanation. Right. No, right like doesn't that feel it feels unsettling i've got to have a story with my no No, because but why you know why are we having to you know if we just say no and leave it at that it it's it's really powerful actually very but it also it does feel like oh they're gonna think i'm you know being a bitch or they're you know gonna think that i'm rude or and these are all of these stories that we start to begin to tell ourselves as opposed to just letting it yes so yes so sexual trauma with women and I'm sure men too, mm-hmm, right? Absolutely. So you're, you're, you're kind of seeing both and, um, how, how has this affected or how have you seen in, in this, has it affected, uh, people to be able to go out and, and actually perform, you know, to, I, I, I know many women who have been sexually abused and there is this idea that it's just really dirty and they can't get out of their mindset because we know that, there's a physical aspect of sex, but then there's also the mind. So mind, body, and soul, I believe are like hand in hand. And and I want to ask you about that because we always say that men are physical, men are physical, men are physical. And for women, it's all about, you know, you got to get in my head first. And is that true? Yeah, actually. So, um, there was a study recently done where women want sex to last about 14 to 15 minutes. Right. And the average male lasts about four and a half minutes. Wow. And that's so it, crazy. That is a whole 10 minute difference that women are wanting, yeah. you know, more in their sexual experience. And so I really want to challenge the idea of sex and it's beyond just penetration. Yeah. Right. And we've got touching, we've got kissing, we've got rubbing. And we really need to incorporate that into our sexual Well, you experience. also talked about intellectual, like being mm-hmm. being um, attracted or, you know, the, the, the point of the, the attraction starting, it can start even from a conversation. And even if it's not sexually charged conversation, yes. it could just be that, you know, intellectually you really, you know, yeah. I, I'm feeling this way. And you can still become aroused by a conversation. Absolutely. Like, and it has nothing to do with sex. Yes. Yeah. Well, I'm wondering if you're comfortable even talking about the one time that you told me that you like had an orgasm. And yes. <laughs> I'm like calling her out right now. Like, hey, are you going to talk about that? Of course but I am. That there was like no touch, right? There no, was that one. And the crazy part about it, which I want your opinion on this as well. Um, yeah, we were not physically touching. We were kissing. And that is the first orgasm that I had with my ex. But it was also to a woman. That is amazing. So I don't know. I just think it was mental. Mm-hmm. I think majority of that sexual relationship was mental. And then, then it, that just wrapped me Yeah, Because <laughs> I was like, how is this possible? How am I having an orgasm based off of communication and us like <laughs> kissing? That's it. Connection. Yeah. How amazing is that? Yeah. yeah. And because 
we do feel things on other parts of our body. So when you're kissing, you feel that on your lips. Yes. It's not like it's just there. Like you're feeling it. It's happening. Yes, right. Um, and so there is, you know, with our mind, our body, when we feel connected, when you feel in the moment, when you let go of that shame and yeah. guilt and this idea of what sex should look yes. like and what it should be. Yes. So many amazing things can happen. Yeah. That's a wonderful story. Yeah. Oh my God. Thank you I for was sharing. Like, of course. I was like, what the hell is going on? So wh- what would you say about that? Like for somebody that is, cause would you, would you say that sexual trauma is more mind-based, um, you know, as uh, as much as it is physical or is there, you know, and, and how do they overcome? That's a tough question. Cause I do think that it's individual. I yeah. do think that, you know, some people, their anxiety levels, their PTSD is way higher compared to other people's. Sure. And so if their body is having a reaction, then there are physical symptoms. Yeah. Is there a brain also probably having right. stuff going on? Absolutely. And so I think it really depends if you're feeling it within your body versus is it in your brain? Right. And that's why going to therapy will really help to kind of differentiate between that right. and work through, okay, if it is physical, how do I work through that? Right. And if it is mm-hmm. mental, how do I work through that? Right. Yeah, I think in therapy, I think that's a really good uh, thing to bring up is that it is not a one size fits all. Everybody yeah. is individualistic yes. and you have to learn their stories. You have to understand what is making them tick or not. And well, and you have to learn their bodies. Cause I'm just going to call it out and say it like not every woman's clitoris is built the same. Not yeah. everybody's vagina is set up the same. Yeah. So how you got down with Susie Sally yeah. is not the way Gosh, it works there's for just me. So like, much involved in yeah. this. You really, have really to is. learn me. You have yes. to learn my body. We, I was just talking to the girls about this. Um, some of my close friends don't even get aroused or have orgasms based off of actual intercourse. It's more of the stuff prior to than it is after the fact. So, mm-hmm. and it's, it's, it's like rubbing two blankets together. Yeah. It's like, this is dry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So actually about 40% of women cannot, um, that require more than just penetration right. for orgasm. And so clitoral stimulation is really important. It is a really big part Mm -hmm. in women's sexuality and it should be talked about. And when you say that you need to learn your partner's body, absolutely. And that's the communication. You need to learn your partner's body. Yes. 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 It's not just about your body. It's not just about you. You need to learn their anatomy as well. And I think for men, they need to learn a woman's anatomy and feel comfortable talking about it, speaking about it. Right. And checking in, you know, either... I. Depending on the relationship, you could check in during, but, you know, afterwards or even the next day having a conversation (laughs) of how that was. But if you are in the moment and something feels good, let them know. Right. Keep going. Don't stop. But don't lie. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Do not fake the funk because if you fake the funk, then they're going to think that that's good. They're going to think it's good and they're going to keep doing it. And then it's then you're just going to be. And how do you have that conversation when it doesn't feel good? Yes. Yeah. So again, this is probably one of those times I would try and um, not do it in the moment unless it's painful, unless you don't like it. You can definitely say no, let's switch it up. But afterwards, when you are talking about it saying, hey, remember when you did this thing? I wasn't the biggest fan or it didn't feel the the best for me. Can we try doing something else or try doing this? Um, And making sure that when you do sit down to have the conversation, 
You both are prepared for it. Right. And you also are at like. Because I feel like some guys get really. Ego. Oh, ego. How do you not bruise the ego? Well, and yes. vice versa. What if somebody said, hey, you did this and I just didn't like it? Yeah. Like, we can't just put that on a man because that would right. feel shitty to us. Like, well, and uh, I've been in one of those scenarios where I've been divorced now for about three years and I had a sexual experience. I'm not an angel or a virgin, so judge me if you want to. <laughs> um, but I was, and especially after being with a woman for 10 years, she was on ice for 10 years, like no men at all. So I started, you know, hooking up with this guy and he started like licking my feet, <laughs> like trying to touch my asshole while we were trying to have sex. And in the middle of it, I was like, what are you doing? I started laughing and he got so offended. So that would be that, yeah. that would be that banter, right? Like, like, yeah, yeah it may not be the best time to do it, but then do you just suck it up and like let it, or do you say, definitely have to say no. If it's a hard boundary, you have to say no. But I also encourage couples to talk about what they're yes. going to do sexually before they so do it. Pause there. Cause this is, gosh, there's so much in depth. So pause there. There's an acronym called SMIRC. We talked about yes. it on the live. It's sex, money, intangibles, religion, and kids. Five things that you should talk to your partner about before you get into a relationship, mm-hmm. like like heavy into relationship. It's not like you're going to sit down and be like, okay, let's talk about this. Right. <laughs> How do you feel about sex? <laughs> you know, maybe you do. Maybe you don't. Right. Um, but that sex topic being a big one and, and hard no's, and this is a hard no for me, but how do you open that conversation up? Like, how do you have that conversation ahead of time comfortably? Right. Um, and, and how do you know, like if they're not as comfortable, what if you're super comfortable and they're like, not like, how do you find that in between? Yeah. yeah. Well, it is about relationship building. And so you are aware of your partner. You also know, or have seen nonverbal cues, right? You know, when your partner's shutting down or they don't want to talk mm, about right. something, you know, they, you know, the body kind of uh-huh. coils in and, so there are definitely are nonverbal cues that you can read from your partner and it is a conversation. And so again, sort of saying, Hey, I want to talk to you about this thing. Can we schedule a time? Right. So I'm not dropping so it on you. So they can mentally prepare for the conversation. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, and that's fair. I think for everybody too. I mean, and that shows yeah. a lot of But I think respect. a lot of the problem is, is that couples are going into sex without talking about At anything. All. Absolutely. Yes, all the time. Like this, that's the day and age that we live in. It's yep. just that, you know what? Hey, we're kissing. Now it's leading yep. into this. And now we're just going to have sex. And so we haven't had a good conversation yep. about sex. And so then maybe afterwards you're like, oh my God, that was horrible. Yes. You know, or they're thinking, oh my God, that was horrible. But there was no communication there. That there was happened no- within my first marriage. I mean, the entire three years we were married, I didn't have my first, first orgasm until after I was divorced and, you know, experimenting with other people afterwards. And I used to call my mom crying and be like, is this really how sex is supposed to be? Like, this doesn't feel fulfilling. Like, this doesn't feel or like what you see on TV. Mm-hmm. Um and again, it was just one of those dry conversations. Like we just didn't talk about that in our household. So I didn't get the proper information. Like, no, this is what sex is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. This is how it's supposed to feel. And it's healthy to talk about it. Mm-hmm. There was none of that. Yeah. That's important. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's hard. It's important, but it's hard. How do you have a conversation with somebody about sex beforehand that you're not even sure? And then maybe that's where you should ask yeah. yourself, are you even ready to take that next yeah. that yep. next level? Yeah. Absolutely. If you're not able to talk about it, but you're able to you do it. You shouldn't be doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You yeah. might want to ask yourself you that know, question. Absolutely. Why. When I talk to my teens a lot, I, I say to them, you know, if you're not able to talk about it, then you should think about what yeah. you're doing because you should be Oof. able to talk about I it. I love that. 
first. And, you know, when we think about healthy relationships and what is part of a healthy relationship, Mm -hmm. talking about sex is making that a healthy relationship and understanding each other. And it does um, get challenging when we get in the heat of the moment and we're making out and you're like, oh, I want this to keep going. And so again, those are those nonverbal cues where you can kind of pick up and know that Mm -hmm. this person is into it and we're both on the same page. Um, And then, you know, if it gets too far, somebody says no, and you revisit it in the next day of, okay, so what was it that took, took it too far? Yeah. Where are your boundaries? What can we do? How did you feel about doing it? Mm -hmm. I love that. And that's a gem right there in itself. I I just want to say, if you are not comfortable talking about sex, then you probably shouldn't be doing it with that person yet. If you're comfortable, then you might be ready to take that next step. And I really would challenge everybody to think about that. Can you have an open conversation with the person that you're with right now about sex and feel really good and comfortable about it? And if you can't, were you ready to jump into that next step? Because then you're missing something already. Mm -hmm. You're missing that communication. And now you've already jumped into the act of, and now, you know, maybe it's two years later, you're still in this relationship and I still haven't even communicated with you what I like. Now I'm, I'm saying that because I've been married for 21 years together with my partner for, you know, uh, 23 years or something like that. And, um, you know, so being with one individual, like we really did have to learn our, 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 each other's bodies, what we liked, what, and, and I think it was more so him than me because I do, we as women think right away, well, men are physical and they can just get it up and do this and then it's Mm -hmm. over. And for us, it's, it, I feel like it involves so much more. And so I had to get comfortable with myself and not only that, but and maybe that is still myself. I'm not exactly sure. And and I want to talk about this because I feel like there's either fear or freedom in, in whatever it is that you do, there's fear and freedom. So you're either afraid to do something and you'll never do it, or there's freedom. And you're just like, okay, I'm experiencing this and I'm going to let it go. And we make so many decisions based off of fear. One being that we don't talk to our partner about what we desire, what we like, what we love, you know, touch me here. This feels good because we're insecure about what we're saying, maybe it's fear of rejection, you know, maybe it's fear of like, they're going to think I'm weird. Mm -hmm. You know, if I sit there and tell my, my husband and and we've never talked about this, that I really want you to tie me up and I want you to do it. And he's like, what in the hell? Like (laughs) maybe he loves it. And maybe he's like, Oh my God, like I had no clue or I I don't want to do this or this is not what I like. And so that came afterwards for us that, you know, some of these conversations came afterwards where we were following cues, what we really liked, you know, I'm watching what he likes. He's right. watching what I like, you know, we're, we're filling each other's body types out and, and, and our, everything, but it took a while. And a lot of it was me and maybe some of it was him too, in his own head of, you know, what if I do this, what's going to happen? Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, and we didn't talk about it. We just tried it. <laughs> right. Which <laughs> so, is scary. Yeah. 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 Like, what are you doing? Yeah. So how, how do you deal with, with couples, um, like now and encourage them to say, and, and I know you're going to say it's just having the conversation, but people that are married and have been married for, you know, five, six, seven, maybe it's only a year and they have not expressed fully what their desires are to their partners. Yeah. Well, come see you. Come see see me and also start that conversation. If you don't start it now, then you're just putting it off for that much longer and you're going that much longer, not having your desires fulfilled. And so, and what are the reasons for not, what are the reasons that you hear about the most of why somebody doesn't say what they want? 
you said it, fear. Yeah. Fear is definitely a big one. Fear of, you know, internal fear of what does it say about me? Right. And is, should I be guilty that I have these feelings or ashamed that I want to try this? And, you know, what would my religion think or what would my family mm, think yeah. or what would my friends think if yes. they knew that I was into this? What's my partner going to think about me if yeah. they knew I'm into this? And then the fear of, well, what is my partner? How are they going to react? Are they going to shut me out? Are yeah. they going to be into this? Are they going to think I'm weird? And so that fear really plays into a lot of this inability to communicate. Yeah. So what sex. are some of your coaching techniques um, for an individual or even couples who are experiencing fear? What what are some of the things that are tools that you would give them? Tips and tools, tricks, whatever. Yeah. I don't want to call it tricks, but <laughs> tips and tools. Yeah. So some of them are writing things down. I'm a big journaler. Um, I love to like get mindful and really figure out what you're thinking. And so writing things down. And so whether you're passing notes back and forth, mm, kind of right. playing a little game with it. Right. You can write stuff down. That you, way you don't actually even have, have to, to say, say it. it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. You can uh, sit back to back so that you're also not looking at each other because ah. sometimes that feels too intimate yes. for people and that mm -hmm. makes them nervous. So if you sit back to back, it kind of takes away a little bit of that um, to make it easier mm -hmm. to have conversations. And so... Those are two big ones, um, but I really kind of just suggest ripping off the band-aid. Yeah, yeah. You know, there is, you have to feel secure in your relationship and there has to be this level of communication that you both are bringing and security in that relationship right. that you mm -hmm. both are bringing to say, okay, well, I'm going to bring up these big issues. Right. We need to talk about it. I feel secure in my relationship. We love each other regardless. Mm -hmm and then talk about it. Right. Because I feel like too, some of the stuff that we tell ourselves and, and we were talking about this upstairs is it, I heard something really, really powerful is made up in our own mind. So because we have fear, the next step that we take is we create a storyline in our head. So we don't even know what the outcome is going to be, mm. but we've already created one. So if I tell them this and they do this and this is yep. how I'm going to react and this is what happens next. And what if they do this? Mm. And so we have got to get to the point of being able to communicate to somebody and then say, you know, th there's an open forum. Right. And if your head starts to spiral, this is going to be really powerful. I hope for most of you guys, because it's super powerful. Me is to say, this is the story that I'm telling myself right mm -hmm. now. And yeah, that's, it doesn't even have to be about sex. It yeah. could be in a relationship with a friend. You know what yeah. I mean? Like I'm feeling some sort of way and I've already created this story. So right. this is the story that I'm telling myself. And you give that open vulnerable communication space where the other person can say, okay, well, no, like that's yeah. not, that's mm -hmm. your, yeah. You in, and not belittle the person and not make them feel dumb for saying that, like actually being open and saying, wow, like, you know, if somebody told me this is the story that I'm telling myself, it makes, I don't know. It, it makes me less defensive, right? you yeah. know? And so I think that is, is a really, really, really powerful thing. I love both of those techniques yeah. some of those those is sit if you guys miss that just um sit back to back so you don't have to look at each right. other write things down right. so that if you're not comfortable expressing yourself verbally yet then you can kind of start opening up the door that way yeah. to your 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 spouse or yes. whoever you know yeah. whoever it is you're absolutely with. So. and using that you know the story i'm telling myself line or even i am worried that you're gonna think this of me yes and starting that off because then that partner hopefully is going to say, well, I don't want to think of you compassion, that way and yeah. I'm going to have compassion for you and I'm open. I yeah. want to hear 
what you have to and share. And how many times have you heard of maybe, and, and I don't know, I'm really asking a question here is this person has been afraid for so long to express. And then the other partner's so excited. About right. It. Right. <laughs> yes. Maybe they didn't want to bring Very it up. Very often. And mm. so I also, you know, when we're creating these stories in our head, I say, well, create the positive story. Yeah. Right. What does it look like if it all works out? What does right. it look like if this is a good, yes, reverse it. always going to the negative. Yeah. yeah I love that. Mm-hmm. I love that. So I have uh, a couple of other questions that I want to ask as well. Um, first and foremost, is there a, I've heard, um, this is going to sound so funny because I've, I've already labeled myself this <laughs> and I don't even know if it actually truly exists, but are there sexual, like when they say I'm a type A or a type this, whatever, are there actual, have there been labels for I'm a, um, is that, is that my say tip? It's, it's atypical. atypical yeah. Oh, and, like that. and neurotypical. Um, in sexuality, Ooh, there are just so many different identities. So I, I don't know that I've necessarily heard type A, type B, but I've definitely heard a wide range of identities. And mm-hmm. there's a lot of identities that are umbrella terms. Mm-hmm. And so within that term, there are a whole slew of other terms that fall within that yeah. category. And so under that umbrella, are there little differences? Absolutely. And so maybe that's kind of that type A, type B sort well, of thing. So that like you're, they you're say like, at. um, so let's talk about, and maybe, maybe I'm saying it incorrectly. Um, I, I just, I want to ask this really quick. Chris, do you want to check just really quick? I heard something. I don't know if that was your phone, but I just want to be sure on all aspects. Cause I heard a bling. Okay. Yep. I just, this is good conversation. I do not want to miss this. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to miss any of this. So, and I could be saying this wrong. So Let's talk about somebody um, who is not as sexually charged. So we talk about women and hormonal and, you know, aging. But let's just say for all of your life, you've never felt like, oh, my God, I want it. Yeah. Is there a name for that? Yes. Asexuality. Okay. So that's yes. what it that's, is. As okay, you were talking, I was yes. like, I think I get, I know what she's trying to get at. So, okay. yeah. Asexuality, a big umbrella term, um, also known as ace. So people might say I'm, I'm in the ACE or I fall in the ACE spectrum. Mm-hmm. Right. And again, that's a whole spectrum within of itself of people who don't want to be sexual at all. People who may be sexual once they develop a romantic connection. Right. Once they have, you know, developed something with them, they will be sexual. Some people who just want a relationship and a partner but don't want to be sexual at all. Right. But want to have that partner to live with. Yeah, yes. the companionship. So yeah, asexuality is a whole genre within itself of identity. And would you say that uh, for, for people that have experienced that or are experiencing that, um, do people feel like there's something wrong with them? Initially, I have definitely heard that, especially when, you know, a lot of the teens are talking about mm-hmm. being sexual and being sexually active. And, you know, you can sometimes feel on the outside if you are not, you know, with the crowd. Right. Um, and so absolutely. But there is a large amount of people out there that identify in the asexuality spectrum. Women specifically or women and men? Women and men. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. I I remember going to my gyno uh, at one point and telling her that, and I didn't know if it was hormones for me or if I was just tired or, you know, I, I, it's not that I don't enjoy sex. Of course I enjoy sex when we're actually in the act, but maybe it's the, you know, the initiation initiation of it or you know I'd be like I'd rather go to sleep like I'm so tired I'd rather just sleep we joke about and it all the time we're like women think about oh if we do this I'm gonna have to straighten my hair yeah I'm gonna have to redo it in the morning then we're gonna have to do this yeah I'm gonna be tired and I don't think men 
not a lot of men think like that. They just think about right now in the moment. Yep, let's just get it. Let's yeah. just get mm-hmm. it going. You know. <laughs> so I, I'm. I was curious about that because she said to me, um, if I could place stock in a product of you know something like Viagra for women, I would so do it. She goes, I would be a multimillionaire. She goes because you have no idea how many women say that very same thing that they just they're not interested. They're mm-hmm. just not interested. No. Absolutely. And then we have other people. So then I hear some of my girlfriends talking as well. And I, I'm curious to know what this would be called. Cause is it a nymphomaniac or is it not where right. like, they just like, yeah, I want it. Like, and I, you know, I, they'd have this desire and this craving. So what would that be considered? So allosexual is the idea that we are all very sexual beings and that you want to be sexual. And then asexual is this identity of not placing a lot of, um, or any interest in sexual, you know, being sexual. Mm -hmm. But again, within that asexuality spectrum, there are people who may identify as asexual, but still engage in sexual behaviors. So there is, it is very confusing and it does And how do you find a a balance for if so, if if you didn't have a conversation again, we go back to the conversation and have a conversation about this ahead of time. Now you're trying to, you know, balance this relationship where one partner is highly, highly sexually charged and the other one is not. Is that where you see a therapist? Is that where, you know, and, and how is it something that it can be fixed? Does that mean I need to be fixed? Does that mean that he needs to be fixed? Does right. that need, you know, where do we ask ourselves? Okay. And that's why, I, why I asked is, do people think that there's something wrong, that something needs to be fixed? So that's a very, very personal question. And so it, it's, um, like I said, personal. So depending on what you want, mm-hmm. if it is important for your relationship to have that sexual drive and to be sexual, then yeah, work on it. It is really important. If it's not important to either one of you and it just doesn't matter, you guys can go, you know, for months and not have sex and that's totally fine. Mm -hmm. Then you don't need to fix something that's not an issue. But it is really personal. And so if you want it to be better, then yeah, work on it. It can be better. It absolutely can. And the key to great sex is sexual communication. Yes. Mm-hmm. Communicate is the key to great sex. And, you know, if you don't want it as much, also communicate that. Yeah. And it is okay. And so when I talk about being really mindful and learning your body, mm-hmm. this is part of it. Yeah. Of knowing, are you even sexual? Do, do you get excited when you're having sex? Right. So would you um, say that it was better for an individual to come see you first, even if they're in a relationship, to, to get to know them first and then bring in the partner? Oh, that's a great question. Um, and I think it really, again, keep going. It depends on the yep. individual and it depends on the relationship of, mm-hmm. of where the relationship is. Um, you know, obviously, if there's some abuse and trauma going on within the relationship, that's going to, yeah, you know, the sex in. stuff is going to take a back seat, and there's some other stuff that needs to be addressed first. Um, but I think it really depends on the couple. It depends on the individual. Right. You know, if somebody's not comfortable in themselves, then yeah, I would recommend individual therapy first to get that self-esteem and that confidence. Mm -hmm. Um, but if you're already kind of coming into the relationship and it's, um, you know, it's, it's kind of there and you just need to work on that sexual communication better and get more on the same page than coming in as a couple. So give our listeners, um, a couple of tips and ideas as well, then for somebody that is not as sexually charged, what they can do individually before, even without their partner that might help them. Like, let's just say that they're, they want to, like you said, they desire to like, okay, I want to, I want to do this. And also, would you ever subscribe any drugs? Like, would you say, okay, yeah, go do ecstasy. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, there's a lot of research out there and it's, it's out there. I am not against it. I I think that in 
the right situation, the right scenario with the right professional, it can mm-hmm. absolutely be helpful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but is that for everyone? No. Absolutely not. And there's other ways of, um, you know, increasing and enhancing your sexual behavior and experience right. with yeah. each other. Um, and so uh, now I forgot. Like what? what? So what was, like that, what that just that, that. Like what else can they do? What else can <laughs> right. they do? Like so somebody... thinking. So thinking about what does turn you on? What gets yeah. you excited? Do you need an hour to yourself before right. you're with somebody right. to get yourself ready? Do can you come straight home from work and jump into the shower and get ready to go? You have to know what amps you up. Yes. What puts on your accelerator? So we've got these accelerators and the brakes, and the brakes are oh my God, I'm so tired, I'm so full, I'm so stressed, I have no interest in doing this, and the accelerators Mm -hmm. are, wow, they look really good in that outfit, or ooh, I am feeling this, and you know, and that kind of stuff, and so you have to think about what are those accelerators for you, what gets you going, Um, and then I also really like to incorporate our five senses, Right. what do you see, what do you taste, what do you smell, what do you hear, what do you feel, and are any of those things helpful in increasing your desire right is there a smell that you just gets you excited is there you know an outfit you like to see on your partner Mm -hmm. that you know gets you excited and so incorporating that stuff I love it I love it you have any questions I do um and it's personal for me (laughs) I don't care we're gonna take advantage of this time with you (laughs) Um, I just in both relationships and I know sexual trauma has a lot to do with it and things that I've experienced before but it has been a common argument in both relationships that I was in, that I was married, um, that I am not the initiator and I struggle with it. Mm. And I don't know if sometimes I feel like I am initiating, but it's not perceived that way. And I know it boils down to communication, but I guess I would say, you know, what are some tips that you could give me to help me feel comfortable in being comfortable with being the initiator? Cause yeah. I have a hard time with it. I'm like, you look great, but I'm not doing that. (laughs) Pay attention to me though. (laughs) Yeah. I, what do you think it is that's, that's holding you back from doing that? I feel like it's different with different people. Um, my first marriage, it was just, it, sex just felt like such a chore and it was just me always being the giver, the pleaser. Um, nothing was ever reciprocated. So I feel like I maybe got resentful towards the end and I was like, "Uh, it's not fun for me. So I'm not going to initiate this. Um, the next relationship, it started off really heavy, strong. We had a great sexual connection, great communication. And then it just kind of dwindled off. And I would say that there were a couple of times where I outwardly tried to initiate and was rejected. Mm. Um, so that coming back and that fear of being rejected again. Um, but I don't want to sit in that. Like, I don't want to get comfortable being in this space. I want to be an initiator. I want that person to know, cause that ended up being thrown in my face. Well, I feel like I'm not attracted to you. If you're not initiating with me, then that Mm. must mean something's going on with Mm -hmm. me that you don't like about me. Mm. Yeah, Story Um, I'm telling myself. (laughs) Right. Yeah, well, and you talked about, you know, the rejection when you heard no, and we talked about how important it is to practice saying no. Right. Well, it's also really important to practice hearing no. Right. And knowing that no does not mean no forever. It's probably just a no right now. Right. For whatever reason. And so really getting comfortable with hearing no in 
no doesn't mean forever. Not take it personal. Yeah, and not taking it personal. <laughs> how do you get comfortable with hearing no? <laughs> right. Well, and that was my thing. Is it's like, but well, how? damn, I already struggle with being the initiator and you're telling me no. I'm not doing that shit again. <laughs> yeah, because you, 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 I get it. Like, you would almost think, okay, I'm going to throw it out there. And then if I'm, that's it. I'm done, yeah. you know? Yeah. I would almost say, you know, pra- kind of plan out when you're going to initiate. Okay. To get some practice. Right. So saying, hey... Babe, when you come home Thursday, like, do you think that would be a good time sometime between when you get home and when we go to bed? Right. And so there's kind of this blanket, all right, I'm going to initiate. Right. They know I'm going to initiate. They should be in the mood because we've already kind right. of talked about notes, it. Or notes, I guess, too. You could right. do, like, love notes. Right. Like, mm-hmm. I'm really, you, like, looked really great in that outfit. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm right. feeling some sort of way. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but with anything, practice, practice, practice. Right. You're not going to get comfortable in something if you don't practice right. it. Right, 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 right. So what if you Thank want something you. more spontaneous? Right. So, so like, I'm sitting next to you, and you're looking good, but I'm really in my head already, and I'm yeah. fearful, and I want to make a first step, but what do I do? Yeah, that's really tough. you gotta, you got to say, what's the story I'm telling myself, yeah. and what's the positive outcome? Uh, what so could be flipping the po- it again, right. reversing it, but if I do do this, it, yeah. and now we're about to have amazing sex, and... right. As opposed to if I do this and they reject me or they say no, it's like, okay, well, if I do this and then right. they put me up against the wall. Right. That is going to be a <laughs> yeah. great time. Or what about not even um, necessarily making a move, but just stating the fact, hey, you look really good. I would really like to make out with you. Right. I really want right. to jump you right, right. now. Right. I'll jump your and, <laughs> and just saying it and seeing what they say. And right. they, you know, they might say, hey, is that really what you want? Like, let's go for right. it. Right. Or no, we've got a busy day, whatever that may be. But you can even just trying to verbalize it instead of using those nonverbal, like, let me touch and let me hope that they're getting the message. Say it. Right. Mm. You want something, say it. Don't be afraid, just say it. People are not mind readers. Yes. Do you feel like that answers your question? Do you feel like that gives you... Well, and I've I've since now being out and being single again, um, of course I've had sexual partners, but... um, I've tried to teeter it a little bit, like initiate more of the conversation mm-hmm. through text message, mm-hmm. but I still get shy and she knows I'm just not a sappy person mm-hmm. or like a, I could go from being like, Oh, let me see it to like, ew, get away from me. <laughs> <laughs> so it's my, my, I was just thinking you, when you asked about like what your turn ons were as well. And I don't know if this is straying away from her, but, uh, from what she's wanting to ask, but also when you said, you know, like what, you're asking the person, uh, like, you know, what turns you on? Is there suggestions that you would say, okay, well, watch this or watch this kind of movie? And I'm not even just talking about pornography. We know what pornography is about. Right. But I'm, I'm just saying, like, maybe there's a movie that's very, you know, enticing. And see if you like it. And if you don't, or if there's different things that you're like, oh, my God, I'm feeling some sort of way as I'm watching this so that they can help also identify, like, what their triggers are. Yeah. Oh, I love that idea. Absolutely. Yeah, I think I that's would, really good. I think that's great to to visually see some other things. Um, you know, I, I feel like I have a lot of clients that just kind of walk in and they're like, I have no idea. You need to give me some direction. And so I'll list off. I'm like, all right, we've got number one, number two, number three, number four. How do you feel about these? What are some of your thoughts? Right. Um, even with identities, I'll say, go online, sit with this identity, wear it for a little bit. How do you feel about it? And, you know, when you think about different sexual, um, experiences, 
what do you think it would be like for you if right. you were laying on that table or right. doing this thing? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a great idea to definitely look at it, explore it, see it. You're not going to know right. if you don't try and if right. you don't kind of look at it a little bit. Right, mm-hmm. right. Mm. I have a, it's kind of a raunchy question, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I've seen it, you know, on shows before. Me and the girls talk about it on occasion. It is crazy to me. Because for me, it's more of a mental thing. But what is this crap about, like, don't be, I love dominant sex. I love aggressive dominant sex. However, um, it's this new thing that guys are doing where they're, like, spitting in their significant other's mouth. Mm. At the same time, choking at the same time. And I'm just like, you are not about to treat me like a piece <laughs> of property. Um, what is that about? And is that even healthy? Like, not like healthy, like, yeah, you're spitting in your mouth. I hope you're healthy. You're not going to get me sick. But I mean, like <laughs> mentally, healthy. is that healthy to be that dominated during the sexual act? Like if, if it is consensual, absolutely. Right. Definitely. Right. Consensual and non-consensual. Right. right. Yeah. Consensual. As long as it is consensual. Again, these are the people that have probably talked about it beforehand. Right. What's your boundary? Where can I spit? Where can't right. I spit? Right. And having those conversations. And so I actually, within the BDSM and the kink community, right. the one thing that I, one of the things that I really appreciate is their conversation yes. around consent. Yes. Mm. And knowing, okay, what's the green light? What's the yellow light? And where's that red light? Right. And having those conversations. And right. so engaging in that behavior absolutely can be healthy okay if it is done consensually right. yeah and with both parties really being aware of why they're doing it what right. what gets them excited about it and, right. and really knowing themselves being in that right. situation right. And that's, right, right. I think that's the difference of where you have your your people that love that you know type of sex and, right. and they love that type of you know physical and then there's other people that that would be a hard no yeah. for them that they yes. just mm-hmm. say that they would never be interested to you know, in, in even trying something right. like that. Or maybe, maybe you watch those triggers with your yes. partner and all of a sudden they're creeping up, kind of grabbing your throat a little bit and you're like, oh, okay, What's you like on? that. So <laughs> are we exploring right. something here? Are right. there's something that you haven't been showing me right. or, or, you know, whatnot? And I think that that was a really good key thing too is mm-hmm. just to really pay attention. You got to pay attention. It's yes. not all about you. Yeah. No. It's yeah. not all about you and sex. Yeah. I mean, really, it, it's got to be about your partner as yes. well. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, so. Absolutely. Um, I would ask, uh, another thing is, uh, so let's talk about orgasms for just a few minutes because I know that this is a big uh, topic of conversation amongst women that, um, like you said, that there's there's so many women, and I read that um, 10 to like 15% of women have never even had an orgasm. And then about- Which is crazy, 40, go in the bathroom right now. I'm just kidding. <laughs> about 40% of women say that they're really unpleased with the way that they, you know, orgasm. Yeah. And so- being aware of your partner's ego, you know, and maybe saying, okay, well, I need, you know, um, vibrational, you know, stimulation, and I want to bring this into the bedroom. We hear about men all the time being really uncomfortable with it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, again, it talks, uh, you know, talking about penetrative sex and clitoral stimulation, and there is a difference. Um, You know, bringing awareness with your partner of, hey, I really would like more clitoral stimulation. This is really what gets me excited. 
ultimately at the end of the day, I would imagine that your partner wants you to feel yeah. good. Yeah. That's, you know, the security in the relationship mm-hmm. and that you want each other to feel good. And so having that conversation of this is what feels good or in the moment when they are doing something that feels good, you tell right. them this feels good. Right. Don't stop. Right. You know, I want you to do this the next time I want you to do this again. And so Um, really, really honing in on that communication. And then the other piece of if, um, you know, I'm thinking about a heterosexual couple and if the male climaxes first, Mm -hmm. sex does not have to be over. There is still more. You can still cuddle. You can still touch. You can still kiss. Maybe that's when the vibrator comes out and you need more of that clitoral stimulation, you know. And so there are ways to incorporate it and, you definitely need to have that conversation. Mm-hmm. Right. I think it's important just just thinking is there's other ways too, I think, when so women being in their head, when you say when you had mm-hmm. said earlier, like make sure you, you know, don't don't lie. Right. Number one, don't lie. If you don't yeah. like something and it doesn't feel yeah. good, don't lie. Yeah. But if you're not comfortable saying no yet, um, you're you're just not, you know, maybe the relationship's new, maybe you're afraid, you know, afraid of rejection, maybe moving their hand, maybe moving mm-hmm. their head right moving there you know their body to a position that feels more comfortable and you're just kind of leading them into what feels you know those nonverbal cues you know closing your legs a little shifting your body maybe pulling them up to try and do something else um but yeah absolutely there are definitely a lot of nonverbal cues that you can use besides you know verbal communication yeah yeah, I love that. Can you speak on briefly about the different types of orgasms? Because I didn't really get into this until much older in life. And I had a situation that happened where I squirted before, but it shocked the hell out of me. And I was like, what the hell is that? Because it doesn't feel like an orgasm. It yeah. feels completely different. Absolutely. And again, lacking on research, we're just kind of now learning more yes. about squirting, where it comes from. What I'm is like, what it? The, did I is just it piss? Did I just piss all over the bed? I was so embarrassed. Yeah. So oh. mortified. But yeah. it is what it is. It is, a, it is a thing. It happens with women. Um, you also can train your body to be able to do that. See, that's crazy. So there are women that will go and learn how to do it um and it's it is it's a type of orgasm it's it comes out of the urethra right so there is some pee in it but that doesn't it is not a pee you know urination right Um, it's just because it's going through that same pathway right that you know there's some in it um but it is different it's different than the regular yeah you know orgasm and there's penetrative orgasms and then there's clitoral orgasms as well right so penetration is you know so much (laughs) and here i will bring out my little little handy dandy yeah this is a vulva and so in here is the vagina and so the men really need to pay attention as much as women do yes yes because i'm thinking you know how many men go into something and they go into sex and they're like they think they're badass like they're like and you're like if you get into it and you're like what the are you you doing doing? like you know what i mean like that's not it and every woman is different and so just because you were with Susie q for 10 years or whatever doesn't mean that mary jane is gonna yeah yeah like it the same way and so you have to understand that it's different so doing something to one person doesn't necessarily mean it's gonna feel good to the next person so you've got to learn their anatomy absolutely yeah and so this is also the full clitoris and so when i talk about penetrative sex and is this outer clitoris uh so this part right here this gland is the only piece that we actually see right all this is internal so the clitoris is way bigger Bigger than what you think think it is yeah and the only purpose of it is for pleasure 
That's insane. So women have an orgasm just for pleasure in right, our bodies. Right. And so penetrative sex, sometimes you'll have it, um, you'll feel the penis along the other, the internal right. clit. And right. so, you know, that also will feel good. And that's why penetration will feel good. Um, but then we've also got, you know, the clitoris right. that's sticking out. Right. The outer portion. The outer portion, mm-hmm. yes. Okay. And so I think for men as well, that they, I, I, I do it just as much as women do. You know, I think, right. I think that men need to kind of look at the women's anatomy and, and understand yes. that not everything is just right there or this may not feel good right, right. here. Um, we do have a couple questions and I think we may actually have already answered them. Um, but she wanted to, the first question that we had was, um, Ask her for the low libido question. So was that something that I kind of already yeah. touched base mm-hmm, on? Yeah. Was just uh, so you can see that women yeah. are asking yeah. already. What if you have a low libido? This is so highly common amongst women. Is that whether they're tired or they just right. feel like oh, I mm-hmm. just I, you do know? you notice at all in any other encounters that it, it's based off of like a certain age or maybe after women have children before they have children? Like, do you see yeah. any significance with those? Absolutely. So yeah, the older that women get, um, there is a decrease in their libido right um not all the time it's you know everyone is different but we tend to or research tends to see you know the older women get their libido does drop and whether that has to do with kids being tired work running around doing all these other things Mm -hmm. you know as you get older your responsibilities increase so you're doing a lot more things right and so all of this does play into your libido your sexual drive and it really comes down to, are you okay with what your libido is? Right. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're okay with it, then that's fine. That's right. great. You don't have to have a really high libido if you don't want one. If it is something that is really important in your relationship and you, it is something that's important to you, then there are steps. What in. if it's not as important to you, but it's important to your partner? Yeah. Yeah, that's a really great question. And so it's going to have to come down to that relationship. And what are you willing to put into the relationship? Where's the compromise in the relationship? Mm-hmm. Right. Because there are compromises in all different aspects yeah. in relationships. And so sex is definitely yeah. one of them. And figuring out, is this a relationship I want to be a part of right. if our libidos are so... Um, opposite right or is this something that's worth it for me to work on work through and we can find a way and so Mm, it really does depend on the relationship well and we heard from another podcast too um that it could potentially be um your birth control too the hormones can also be a cause to medication anti-anxiety anti-depression so don't just write it off that something's wrong with you it could be something else that you're internally putting in your body that could be causing that absolutely talk to your doctors for sure i feel like some of the doctors just don't even know even like the gynos even like they're just like oh no that's this right this is fine for you it doesn't do any that's completely okay for hormones and you're like but something's wrong yeah you i know? still feel off yeah. yeah um the other question that we had was um she said 70 percent of uh women this is what another thing it says 70 percent of women uh, say that they have not had a penetrational orgasm that it the majority of it is actual um clitoral i would i, I don't know um statistics like the particular statistics, right. yeah. but I would agree with that. And yeah. what would you say for women that are wanting to experience a more penetrative orgasm, what they can do if their partner is not, if it's not happening, you know, does size matter? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. 
Ah, that is a, a the, the big old question. Does size matter? Well, it really depends on your vagina. Yes. It really depends on the person. Some people do really enjoy a, a, a thicker penis. Some people, it doesn't matter for them. Mm-hmm. Um, our vagina only expands so much. Right. So even if a penis is so big, there's only a certain amount of it, it can go. that can go in. You know, our cervix is there. So, you know, it does stop at, you know, at some point. Yeah. Um, is it true if it curves to the side, you have a better opportunity of a spot where it doesn't? Like, I've heard that before. And I'm so like, for you men that feel insecure about your curved penis. <laughs> you gotta learn Use your that motions. right hand a little bit too much, sir. <laughs> love it. Love it. What would you say? Is that true or not? I mean, penises also come in all different shapes and sizes, so they are out there, absolutely. Yeah, just like vulvas look all different, so do penises. I'm just looking to see if there's any other questions (laughs) that I missed really quick before we kind of cut it down here. Um, so we talked about, uh, we talked about sexual trauma. We talked about couples, um, experiencing, you know, a lot, a lot of this, what we're finding is that it's all based on communication. Yes. Oh, yeah. How comfortable first can you get in having a conversation? Because if it's your partner that is not comfortable, then you may need to be the initiator to get comfortable, right. <clears throat> which is kind of a double whammy for you. Because if you're already feeling uncomfortable being <laughs> right. the initiator, then you also have to be like, okay, now I got to get comfortable talking about this, yes. you know, on top of that. Yep. Um, and so I love the little tips and, 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 and advice that you gave for these specific, you know, um, couples and, and, and people, um, how can somebody find you? How can they yeah. talk to you? How can they reach out to you? And, and how are you seeing our, is it insurance, non-insurance based? Talk to me about that for a few minutes. Absolutely. So you can find me at Evolve Sexuality. <laughs> that is the name of my practice. So if you go to evolvesexuality.com, you will see my website and, um, it lists stuff about me and uh, different services that I offer. Um, I do individual therapy. I also do couples therapy. Mm-hmm. I also do education. So if you're not looking to dive into your past, you don't really want to do that and you just want to find out more information and you just kind of want to be more educated mm-hmm. and apply those things, I do a one-on-one educational coaching as well. I love that. So, yeah, I'm also giving presentations um, at different schools at different um organizations communities i actually on thursday i am presenting on queer identities and therapy i love through the cedar springs hospital so yeah evolve sexuality is definitely where you can find me Mm -hmm. um insurance at this point at this time i'm not taking insurance um i do provide uh super bills which are you know if you have out of network benefits um you can submit them and hopefully get reimbursed for a portion of um, the the service. And so. is all your services based off of sessions, whether it's one, two, three? Do you have, like, personalized plans where somebody can say, you know, hey, this is... Or do you tell them, hey, you're going to need about 10 sessions with me? Yeah. 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 So so depending on what you're coming in for, uh, therapy, I usually... Um, again, every person is different, and so right. it really depends on the person and what you're coming in with. But right. I say, you know, minimum six months in therapy. It could be a longer time. It could be one to two years. Right. Um, in terms of coaching, de- again, depending on what you're looking for, if you want to set up a four-week plan, I can set up a four-week plan. If you want to say, I want to try this out once, mm-hmm. let me see if this is even for me. We can do individually session by session um, and go from there and kind of create a plan right. together. I am all about the individual and I know that everyone is very different. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I think it's really important that I'm able to tailor for what the person yeah. is looking for, what they need, what they want to get out of it. Mm-hmm. And so I'm really open to working with 
you know, with whoever, with right. you on what you foresee this looking like yeah. and what you want to get out of it. Erica, I feel like we could have dived so much more into oh my other oh, yeah. topics. Yeah, so we, we may could. have to do a part two with I you. I love that. Uh, <laughs> Please. Because yes. there's just, there's just I, I mean, I'm thinking in my head, I'm watching the time and I'm like, gosh, right. we didn't touch base on this. We didn't touch base on this. We didn't touch base on that. Um, and I, I really think that this is such a, an important conversation to be having uh, and getting people more comfortable yes. with it for sure. So yes. I'm going to leave it back to the listeners and say like, if you got so much out of this and there's something else Yes. that she didn't touch base on or we didn't touch base on. And you really want to know, um, maybe, you know, you, you have some questions that are private and you want to reach out to her. Great. Reach out mm-hmm. to her. If there's something else that we missed and you're saying, yes. Hey, this is something that I really feel like you guys should have talked about. Then let us know, right. like subscribe, comment. We always say yes. that between the sheets with Leah, um, on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple. She's giving you her information. We'll probably drop her number and a yes. link on the website as well. When we drop the podcast, look that, um, look out for that when, right. when, when, when this is dropped. Um, Thank you so much you. for all of yeah. your thank knowledge you. and your wisdom. Um, and thank you for serving the community yes. the way that you're doing by offering this service. Cause I don't know if I would have even known that this has existed, yes. um, before you came in and, and said, Hey, this is what I do. I'm like, Oh, we're not, we don't have to figure it all right. out. <laughs> we can come to you yeah. for answers. Yes. Yes. So. Thank you for giving me this platform and yeah, having this platform of talking yeah. about yes. sex and sexuality. Yeah. It is so important. And yes. so it's great to see that, you know, people are definitely out there talking about yes. it. Yes. Yeah. We got to get more comfortable guys. Yes. We, we, yes. we can't, we can't, you know, we got to fight against can't these be taboos fearful. and <laughs> paradigm thinking, even, yes. you know, what you were taught, what you knew, you have to fight against that. You have to get mm-hmm. to know you. I love that you brought it back to a lot of this starts within yes. a lot of this starts yes. with you and, and you getting comfortable first and foremost because you don't even know that you might even be helping your partner. If you can yes. get comfortable first, then they may feel more comfortable to saying, oh, okay, yes. you know? Mm-hmm. And I say that all the time with vulnerability. Um, there's some courage in that because of the fact that you're opening up the forum and then it gives somebody else the availability to say, oh, me too. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. so. Yep. Well, thank you so much. Thank and you. watch out for a part two, guys. Part for two. sure. Bye. Now we can dance. Now we can dance. There we go. Yes. Sexuality. What? Sex. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, yes, yes.